Hello, and welcome to Nurse Narrative, the Auburn University School of Nursing podcast, where we invite you to join our story. In this episode, our hosts interview Mr. Chris Martin, an assistant clinical professor in the School of Nursing with expertise in heart health and nursing leadership. Welcome back to Nurse Narrative. I am Kelly Strickland, your host, and I'm joined by Miss Megan Jones. Hey, Kelly. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Um, I'm excited about this month because it is American Heart Month. And both you and I, our backgrounds when it came to inpatient acute care hospital nursing has to do with the heart. Yeah. I started off in a PACU, but I did get to experience um, working with open heart surgery patients, recovering them in the PACU, and then moved into a cardiovascular intensive care unit. I just kind of fell in love with the heart and Mm -hmm. working with that patient population. So February, American Heart Month is very Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, very appropriate, (laughs) very near and dear to our hearts. Mm -hmm. So literally, yeah, literally. Oh, yeah. No pun intended. I know. (laughs) Um, And I'm also excited because we get to talk to one of our colleagues, Mm -hmm. Chris Martin, Um, and he has a lot of area, you know, specialty in this area as well, or knowledge in this area. And so do you want to give us a little bit about his background? Sure. I'll be glad to tell you about Chris. So Mr. Chris Martin is on our podcast today and Chris earned his bachelor of science in nursing from Auburn university in 2012. So he's an alum. Yay! That's right. And he (laughs) began his career as a staff RN on a coronary care unit at a hospital in Birmingham, Alabama. After a short stint working in the post-anesthesia care unit, he completed his Master of Science in Nursing from Samford University with a focus in healthcare management and leadership. Before he joined the Auburn School of Nursing faculty, he served as the Director of Nursing Education and Staff Development at another medical center in Birmingham, where he oversaw all nursing education functions. And Chris returned to his alma mater in August 2019, where he joined us as faculty, and he serves on the Inclusion, Diversity, and Research Committees. And we so love having Chris as part of our team. He's Mm -hmm. a lot of fun, brilliant guy, just really neat to be around and Mm -hmm. have learned so much from him just Mm -hmm. in his short time here already. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll jump right into our episode. Hey, Chris. How you doing, guys? (laughs) Good. How are you? Doing very well. Doing very Good. well. Um, so it's National Heart Month, and we're excited because all three of us have had some history working with hearts. Yes. In cardiac units. So that's fun. So let's talk about them. Let's. Let's do it. Does that sound good? Very much so. Okay. Um, so if you were to go look on Megan's desk right now, mine is actually at my house, but if you were to look at Megan's, there's kind of what looks like a sheriff's star badge with the words, heart attacks have beginnings on it. And you actually presented us with those badges after a presentation that you gave. So tell us what the badges represent and why you included the words heart attacks have beginnings. Awesome. Sure. So that was really the brainchild of Dr. Raymond Barr. Uh, Dr. Barr, actually, uh, he's the founder of the Society of Chest Pain Centers, which through a couple of iterations has now become part of the American College of Cardiology. And his whole goal in life was to reduce the amount of heart attack deaths that we were seeing every year. And he came up with this 
campaign where he was the sheriff heart attack and he would deputize people to be <laughs> deputy, yeah. <laughs> essentially deputy sheriffs, mm-hmm. letting people know that heart attacks have have beginnings. Many, many people, even to this day, with all we know about heart attacks, still believe that heart attacks are just these one off events that mm-hmm. come out of nowhere, wreak havoc that we can't do anything about. Mm-hmm. And through his research and research with the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association, we found out that that's just not true, that there mm-hmm. are symptoms and signs that can actually occur before uh, the cardiac muscle damage occurs, that if we catch those, we can actually reduce the number of deaths that we see from heart attacks. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Um, So that's really good information. Um, But statistically, some regions in the U.S. have higher rates of heart disease. Yes. So how are we doing in the South? southeast region and how relevant is that information to our region so to answer your first question how are we doing in two words not good Mm -hmm. um there are a lot of beautiful things about living in the south Mm -hmm. you know our weather for the most part is very nice Mm -hmm. uh we have great college football Mm -hmm. which i'm a little biased about (laughs) however we also have a very deep culinary history where we like to deep fry things Mm -hmm. and add salt and sugar to everything Mm -hmm. and add butter to everything Mm -hmm. and while that is tasty Mm -hmm. your arteries do not appreciate it Mm -hmm. so a lot of that has to do with why the southeast really sees a much higher rates of heart disease, heart attacks, and those things correlate to the increase in heart attack deaths that we see. Mm. And because it is such a cultural issue, it really delves into the identity of who we Uh really are as a region. So it's not just about, hey, move more, eat smart. Well, if eating smart means, you know, we can't go to grandma's on Sunday or everything that Aunt Paula cooks, we can't eat. Mm -hmm. It kind of goes more into, well, this is who we are. This is who Mm -hmm. I am. And, you know, then you get the people who say, well, you know, I've got to die of something. Mm -hmm. And so they completely shirk what we're, what we're trying to do when in all actuality, you can still be Southern. You can Mm -hmm. still enjoy the, the fried chicken. You can still enjoy the pound cakes. However, let's not do that every day. Yeah, You know, Mm -hmm. let's do it. You know, at most two times a week while we're also getting out and moving, you know, Mm -hmm. you want to go out and have a burger tonight. All right. No problem. Let's go for a walk around the neighborhood first. You know, let's go walk the dog. You know, let's do things to 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 balance that out and to understand that this is real. And it's not just something that happens. It's something that we can be actively Uh fighting against. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So I hear moderation. Moderation is a good word. Um, I through all of my time working in with, with cardiac patients, yeah. we could preach, yeah, fruits and vegetables, nothing else. Lean meats, nothing else. Mm-hmm. Baked or, you know, baked or grilled, nothing else. Mm-hmm. But that's just not realistic. No, you know, that's not, not realistic. Mm-hmm. And what I found is if you give people options, mm-hmm. they're normally going to choose healthier options as opposed to completely changing their lifestyles. Now, are there people who do that and have great results? Yes. But for the vast majority of people, it's if I've got to choose between this, what I know, Mm -hmm. and still being able to dabble with this, you know, these foods and this experience from time to time or never being able to do it again, Mm -hmm. then I'm I'm definitely not going to just going to forsake everything I know. So it's it's meeting people where they are and giving them options and the chances to make to make better heart health decisions. Mm -hmm. When you really hit the nail on the head talking about it's a cultural identity, you know, Mm -hmm. food is so tied to our culture and family and tradition and all of those things. And so 
you can't just ask someone to turn that off. Exactly. Um, so that's, that's great to hear. You know, I think for people to hear you say, you can still do these things, but let's just talk about that. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess you've kind of answered this a little bit partially, but what can we do practically as nurses then to educate our communities when we're talking to them? That's a great question. Um, I think it's kind of multifaceted. One thing I think we can do as nurses is just stay, to stay up to date and educate ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, I'm not saying every single nurse who it, it lives in the Southeast or every single nurse who sees patients on a regular basis has to be a heart expert. Mm-hmm. However, there are some things that you can help know that are just very practical. Know the early signs and symptoms of a heart attack. Know that if you are a, if you have a female patient, the chances of them experiencing traditional chest pain is actually relatively low in a heart mm-hmm. attack. Let's talk about some of the stomach pain. Let's talk about the shortness of breath. Let's talk about the, the neck pain and the arm pain that, female patients who experience heart attacks are more likely to experience as opposed to just the classic chest pain symptoms. You know, Mm -hmm. let's talk about the fact that, hey, if you can get 150 minutes a week of moderate level cardiac exercise, you greatly reduce your risk of heart disease, heart attacks and stroke. Mm -hmm. 150 minutes a week. Hmm. that's totally doable. You know what I mean? You know, we're not asking people to go out and go from being, you know, the couch potato to Arnold Schwarzenegger. We don't need that. We don't, you know, that's (laughs) not what we're saying. And I think to a certain extent, we've kind of made that the goal Hmm. and we've lost a lot of people along the way. Yeah. You know, we need to make sure that as nurses, we understand, you know, those big things, but also let people know that, Health is going to be relative. Mm. And what we want you to do is we want you to get to a, a, a gradual state of, of, of wellness, mm-hmm. you know, and that and that's doable, along with knowing some of those uh, those signs and symptoms of, of you know the atypical you know, heart attack symptoms. We also need to make sure that we can promote health in yeah. a way that's accessible to people. Mm-hmm. Um, just small things, just the 150 minutes of, of moderate level exercise a week, which is very doable yeah. and letting people know that that doesn't mean joining a gym. Mm-hmm. That means if you like to garden, get out in your garden. If mm-hmm. you have a pet, go walk, go walk your dog for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. You know, th- these are things that are doable and applicable, even if it means just if you work in a building with multiple floors, don't take the elevator. Let's yeah. take the steps. Yeah. You know, these are small action steps that most people can do mm-hmm. to improve their cardiac health without having to go and do something extreme that they think is completely, you know, unattainable. Yeah. I think baby steps are huge with any kind of change of behavior, which is exactly what you're saying. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because one of my goals for 2020, you know, this building, for those of you who have not been here, is rather large. And we have three, well, four floors, but three main floors. And so in 2020, my goal is to not take the elevator. Good job. I'm going to try to go up all the stairs every time I go anywhere from floor to floor. And that is so small, but it ends up being, you know, eight to 10 minutes of exercise per day because my heart, you know, spikes, my heart rate spikes. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Little small things. Yeah. Just in that, that is the key. It's little small things. If mm-hmm. we can get people to just realize that the little small things matter mm-hmm. and that those little small things will add up 
mm-hmm. and pay dividends in your overall cardiac health. Yeah. Um, and doing it in a non-judgmental way yes. is a big thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we as nurses, we can get very jaded because it's true. We see patients who are non-compliant. We, we, you know, we put forth resources that people either ignore or underutilize or misuse. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to become jaded and approach these things from almost a judgmental standpoint. And that doesn't help either. Yeah. So remembering that in all things we are, we are supposed to be promoting health, Yeah. but doing it in a way that is truly helpful, yeah. not judgmental. And always remembering, I think that there's a reason for non-compliance. Exactly. It's not just people don't want to be healthy. There's always a reason behind choices that we make. A perfect example of that. I was reading a case study a couple of weeks ago about the reduction in adults who smoke. Mm-hmm. And there were just certain demographics where we weren't seeing that needle moved very well. And they interviewed a lady. She's a factory worker mm-hmm. in rural rural West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And they talked to her. I mean, she was a 30-year smoker, two to three packs a day. Mm-hmm. So they talked to her about the financial aspect. And she said, yes, I understand that I don't really have the money to be spending on these cigarettes and feeding this habit, but it's something I still do. And they asked her, well, how many times have you tried to quit? And she had tried to quit four times in the last two years. Mm. But what kept her from being successful was the fact that all of her friends smoke. Mm-hmm. So all of her friends at this company yeah. go and take a smoke break twice a day. Yeah. Well, that's their social time. Yeah. So when everybody else is outside socializing and smoking, she was inside by herself. And that yeah. was very isolating. Yeah. And because of that, you know, she'd start out a week or two very strong. Mm-hmm. But after a week of not being able to talk to her friends and not socializing, she felt really left out. Yeah. So she'd go out there with them and just not smoke. Yeah. Well, that would only last for about a right. month. And before long, she was smoking again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, little things like that, that sometimes you can't get on the surface. Mm-hmm. You have to remember. And, you know, it's really easy to pass judgment. Oh, you shouldn't smoke. It's bad for your lungs. We have research, this, that and the other. Yeah. But there, like you said, there are reasons and we really have to consider easy. those. Yeah. Really easy to say. Harder to do for sure. Um, that's awesome. That's good information. So we kind of discussed your background working with the cardiac patients, Mm -hmm. um, but you also have had the opportunity to serve as the director of nursing education and staff development at a a medical center in a major city Mm -hmm. here in Alabama. This allows you, you know, to be part of making some changes at more of the system level to combat heart disease. So can you tell us a little bit about what you did and kind of what effect you saw on patient outcomes as a result of that? I would say the biggest um, kind of initiative that I was a part of that I really saw uh, pay dividends for patient outcomes was really getting more people at the table that you don't necessarily think of when you think heart health. Mm -hmm. So one of the most effective means that we had was actually working with our OBGYN community Mm -hmm. in the promotion of women's cardiac health. Because what we were finding was we were working with a lot of our primary care docs, which was great. And there's really room for primary care. This is my plug for primary care. If you can get a primary care doc, please go get one. Mm -hmm. But what we found was whereas this certain subset of women wouldn't necessarily have a primary care, they did have an OBGYN. Mm -hmm. So by working with them, we were getting a little more information to these vulnerable populations from a healthcare provider that they see regularly and that they trust. Mm. You know, if you, I'm, I'm, I'm a male working in the hospital. If you've never seen me from Adam, okay, yeah, he's just telling me something. Right. But if you get this information from someone you trust and who already has a rapport with you, 
you're going to take it. You're going to take it to heart. So that was actually one of the biggest things that I've seen is really thinking about how can we reach people who we haven't already reached. And sometimes that's a little uncomfortable. As a male with no functional knowledge outside of what I got in nursing school of, of obstetrics and gynecology, mm-hmm. it was very uncomfortable for me to walk into OBGYN offices sure. and say, hey, let's have a conversation yeah. about heart health. Yeah. Because they're looking at me, one, why are you here without a woman? Mm-hmm. Two, we don't deal with hearts. Right. But once we could get to the table and talk about how this would benefit these patients from a large scale standpoint, we realize, you know what, we can we can partner on this. Yeah. So I think that is kind of the kind of thinking we're going to have to have going forward mm-hmm. in healthcare is thinking about doing things we haven't done to get results we haven't seen. That, yeah, what a good perspective. Doing mm-hmm. things we haven't done to see things we haven't seen. I really like that. That was really good. Um, I also remember. And this this is from your presentation. You said something about how you trained um, the people that were at the front desk to yes. recognize signs and symptoms of the beginnings of um, a heart attack. Is that correct? That is Am correct. I remembering yes. that correctly? So part of the American College of Cardiology Accreditation Services Chest Pain Center Accreditation mm-hmm. is you have to have a process for any patient entering your organization, whether Mm -hmm. it be through the front door, whether it be through the emergency department, Mm -hmm. to be able to recognize the signs and symptoms of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because what we were finding is that anyone who's worked in an emergency setting knows that you triage patients. Mm -hmm. Well, in triage, if you come in and you say you have chest pain, that's going to set off. uh, It's going to trigger a whole protocol. We're Mm going to get an EKG and you're good to go. Well, like we talked about earlier, for a lot of our female patients, that is not going to be one of your heart attack symptoms. Mm -hmm. So we were missing a whole majority, honestly, of of the population Mm -hmm. who were coming in with a a typical chest pain, a typical heart attack symptoms. Mm -hmm. Well, when we went and trained our front desk workers, mm-hmm. including our volunteers. Yeah. So our front desk workers, our volunteers, as well as our registration staff, we actually saw an increase in the number of people who were being worked up for atypical chest pain mm-hmm. because they knew what to look for. Um, what really kind of lit a fire under me was one of the things that I did was chart reviews on all of our atypical chest pain, or atypical chest pain presentations. Mm-hmm. And we had a patient who came in with atypical heart attack symptoms Mm -hmm. and three days prior this patient had been to another facility for another minor gi issue Mm -hmm. and that clouded the judgment of our nursing staff yeah well this patient was actually having an mi and they didn't get an ekg for almost two hours from the time that they walked in the door Mm -hmm. that's time we can't waste in the stroke world they say time is brain in the heart world we say time is muscle. Mm-hmm. That's two hours we didn't have to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love about being a nurse is we are consistently ranked as one of the most trusted professions. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because people look at nurses and hospitals as, as kind of a safe haven. Mm-hmm. If you can just make it to the hospital, you're going to be okay. And while that, while we as healthcare providers know that that's unfortunately not always the case, we need to make sure it's the case when we, when we can. Yeah. And that was a situation where thankfully we, we were able to have a good outcome with that patient, but we can't let that be the norm. Absolutely. Yeah. And every time I told that story, you could see, I mean, you could see a physical reaction from the people who were in those trainings mm-hmm. that, you know what, Hey, I have a part in this too. Yeah. Um, and 
that's really what it takes Mm -hmm. is letting everybody know that for a problem this big, we all have a piece of the pie. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about training people who you might not consider front line of defense for heart Mm -hmm. health. You know, maybe individuals who work at a front desk, you don't think of them as necessary. A lot of people wouldn't consider them part of, quote unquote, the healthcare team, Mm -hmm. but they absolutely are. Absolutely are. A hundred percent. So I love that. I love that. You were a part of that. That was yes. very another, memorable. Another thing that we did was we actually um, we actually trained anyone who had a hospital badge on when to call a code blue. So you wow. didn't just have to be a trained healthcare professional to call mm-hmm. a code blue. If you came up upon someone who was unresponsive, mm-hmm. uh, whether you were a janitor mm-hmm. or the CEO, you could call a code blue and the code blue team would respond. That's awesome. I love that. That's so great. Um, so there's just so much. I wish I could just sit and chat with you for a long time, but, but we always want to leave our uh, listeners with some good kind of tips for their own health. So what are some things that our community can take away from today to help them prevent heart disease and heart troubles? There are three things, and I'm going to borrow this from the American Heart Association, who has a great website, by the way. So if anyone wants any further information about heart disease, heart heart disease prevention, Uh management of heart disease, the American Heart Association website is a great resource. And we'll put that in the show notes. Yes, please. Um, So there are three things I would say. Um, Move more, eat smart, and be well. Hmm. So move more. Think about your average daily activity Mm -hmm. and try to increase that by about 25 to 30 percent. You know, whether that means you park in the back of the parking lot instead of the front, Mm -hmm. if it means you're going to take the steps instead of the elevator, Mm -hmm. um, if it means instead of walking the dog around the block once, you go around the block one and a half times. Mm -hmm. Just try to increase how much you move. Mm -hmm. Okay. Bodies who move are bodies who normally tend to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. So think about ways to move more. Eat smart. When we talk about eating smart, we want to talk about staying away from things that are Oversalted, over sugared, over processed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the fresher we can get things, the better. And I would always tell people, I'd rather you have vegetables than not vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather you have fresh or frozen other than canned. Mm-hmm. But that being said, we realize, you know what? Not everybody has access to fresh vegetables. That's right. So I would much rather you have a can of green beans mm-hmm. than a bag of french fries. That's right. <laughs> um, so Eat smart. Try to stay as fresh as you can. Uh, try to stay away from foods that are going to add fat, that are going to add uh, grease, that are going to add salt. Mm-hmm. Um, something as simple as, you know what? I love a good hamburger. I love it. Me too. <laughs> I will not turn a hamburger down. But sometimes now, if I'm going to a restaurant and I know I've been a little sedentary, instead of the fries, I'll get a side salad. Mm-hmm. Okay. I Best actually can worlds. attest to that. We we were at lunch recently with yeah. some of our colleagues, and you did. You got you got us. Are you I tempted did. to get a salad? Yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. So you know, little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um. So eat smart and then be well. When we talk about be well, we're talking about kind of an all encompassing wellness. Um. Part of that is if you have access to a primary care provider, please use that as a resource. Okay. Make sure you have a relationship with a primary care provider who understands your health status and can advocate on behalf of your of you in the event that you have to get, you know, admitted or some type of if you need a referral or things of that nature. And they're also a really good point of health promotion and wellness in general. And just take care of yourself. Monitor stress. Mm-hmm. You know, um, monitor some of those other things. If you're smoking, try to decrease the amount amount that you smoke. 
preferably would love for you to stop smoking altogether. Um, if you're a heavy drinker, try to reduce the amount of times a week that you're drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just looking at your wellness as a, as a holistic standpoint, not mm-hmm. just as a, okay, my blood pressure is good today or mm-hmm. okay, you know, I'm not as overweight as I used to be. Mm-hmm. So really thinking of well, being wellness minded, like you would think of being, you know, financially well or, mm-hmm. you know, professionally well, but making sure that your wellness overall is a priority. Mm-hmm. Those are good points. Well, you're a joy. I enjoyed being here with you guys. <laughs> and I appreciate you very much. And you have a lot of wisdom and you bring so much to our school. So thanks for being here. No problem at all. Thank you guys for launching the podcast. Do you have anything that you want to add, Megan? I don't think so. It's fun to have someone be excited about hearts. Yes, isn't it? Uh-huh. I like talking about the heart. Listen, everybody's got a heart. That's right. I think the only people that we can really, that really have an argument against us is the, the neuro people, but they're <laughs> yeah, all weird. That's so true. I, I got I to <laughs> go. Okay. Got to go with the heart. Yeah. So brain, heart. Yeah. We wouldn't have one without the other. So, or both without the <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting tongue tied. We, um, we love our neuro colleagues. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, to the listener, thank you so much for uh, listening and giving your time to us and um, take good care. <laughs>